I, uh, <laughs> great, great job, guys. That was awesome. Um, I'm looking up there, and, and I'm watching those guys, and, and, of course, Maddie played basketball for me when she was in elementary school and was actually playing varsity basketball for me when she was in elementary school, and uh, she was the same size in elementary that she is now. That's why she played for me, and, and so that's, that's great, and then Nate, man, Nathan, you're just growing as a worship leader, doing a great job, and and uh, our bass player here, Isaac, uh, he's, he's, he's a beast on the bass. He broke two strings on the bass uh, in practice. And if you know anything about bass strings, those things are thick. So he's an animal on the bass. And then, and then uh, Peyton, he's never played with a band before until just the last couple weeks on the drums. And that's awesome. And our young lady singing the harmony parts as well. I'm just, I'm in awe, guys. Um, our kids, yeah, for sure. Our kids, um, I, I've been here for 17 years, and I've watched worship teams in chapel come and go, and I don't know if we've ever had a, a more solid uh, musical team than we have now. I feel, feel really blessed here at the school. Uh, some of you might be wondering what these tables are all about. Uh, I'll just explain to you that we've been doing these dessert gatherings uh, on uh, Wednesday evening, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, Wednesday evening. We've got another one tonight. And honestly, we were just too lazy to take them down and put the chairs out and then set them back up. So we just left them up for tonight. So hopefully you can look past that. Uh, we also thought that it might get a few of you to sit in the front row, but even that didn't work. So uh, you're still going to sit in the back. I was told earlier if you put the tables in the back, they'd sit at them there, but you're not going to up there. But that's all right. So, hey, here's the deal. Um, I had a dream this week, and uh, I know I'm starting to sound like Martin Luther King Jr. here, but I had a dream, and I dreamed that I died in the dream. And I heard you can't dream that you die, um, but I did. I dreamed that I died, and I was being given a tour of heaven, and I'm walking around heaven with St. Peter, and all of a sudden, Spencer drives up in a beautiful Mercedes. And I said, boy, this is, this is great. This, this is awesome. St. Peter said, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool. He said, Spencer was really generous on earth, and he, we had a lot to work with. And you might not know this, but your blessings in heaven are directly proportionate to what you give on earth. And so Spencer gave so much while he was on earth that he, he gets this incredible Mercedes to drive around in heaven. And then Peter looks at me and says, here's your transportation and he gave me a Honda motor scooter. And I said, now, wait a minute. <laughs> I, said, I said, Peter, I said, this is, this is, uh, this is not right. I'm, I've been a, a, a preacher for almost 30 years. He's just a worship guy. He gets a Mercedes, and, and I have to take a scooter. And he said, yeah, that's the way it is. That's all we had to work with. I'm sorry. And so I just kind of walked away dejected. About a week goes by. St. Peter comes up to me, and I'm all smiles. I'm in a great mood. And St. Peter said, what's going on? You're a lot happier now than you were when I saw you last week. I said, yeah, I just saw Kendall. He's on a skateboard. So uh, made me feel better. You know, this is the first time that Kendall and I have been in this service together for the last two months uh, because of my brother uh, filling in for him, and so I had to just throw one. You feel welcome, yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, three weeks ago, we started our capital campaign that we've given the name Thrive, and we've called it this because that's exactly what we want this church to do. That's exactly what we want this school to do. We want to th 
thrive. We want to do more than just what the song says. The song says we were made for so much more. We were made to thrive. And we talked, started off talking about how we can thrive through vision. Kendall last week talked about how we can thrive through generosity. Today, I want to talk about how we can thrive through trust. And more specifically, I want to discuss trusting God with our finances and what he wants us to do uh, as far as a plan for giving to him. And I, and I don't necessarily even mean during the capital campaign, even though that's fine and that's part of the reason, but even if you decide that's not for you, you don't want to do that, I want you to understand that God expects certain things out of us when it comes to our finances and, and, and trust him to take care of our, our finances whenever we trust him uh, to, and, and we do the right thing. So let's look at what the Apostle Paul wrote about generous giving. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to begin with verse 6, and, and a lot of you have heard this before. We're going to go through it again. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 6, we're going down to verse 15. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself Proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are to give generously and we are to give cheerfully. And if we give generously and we give cheerfully, there are promises that go along with those gifts that we give and the manner in which we give them. The first promise is you're going to reap generously, verse 6. Second promise, you're going to have all that you need, verse 8. Also in verse 8, you're going to abound in every good work. Verse 10, he will supply and increase the store of your seed. In other words, he's going to bless you with even more than he's entrusted to you. He's going to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You're going to be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. Has there ever been times in your life where you wish you could be generous and you just didn't have it? God says if you give to him like he asks you to, you're not going to have those situations. You're going to be able to give generously because he's going to supply all of your needs to do so. Men will praise God for your obedience and for your generosity. And then also the, the eighth promise here in, in verse 14, in their prayers for you, men's hearts will go out to you. And God says to you, and he says to me today, if you give generously and you give prayerfully, you give cheerfully, all of these promises are yours. All of these promises that I just mentioned to you, those are yours. Now, 
What I want to do today, what I want us to do is learn to give in a practical way so that we can give in a manner in which God wants us to. Again, this is not just for capital campaign purposes. This is across the board. This is for the rest of your lives. And there's some simple steps that I want us to take that will enable us to give through trusting Him. The first one is this. Think like a godly servant. We need, in, in terms of our finances, we need to understand that we are His servant and He has entrusted to us to take care of the things that He's given to us and we need to trust Him with those. We need to think like a godly servant. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the underlying principle here is that you will either place your trust in God, or you're going to place your trust in your finances. Or you're going to place your trust in the way that the world says you should do your finances. You're going to place your trust in the way that the world says it's okay to do your finances. And so the alternative to trusting in the way that the world does your finances is is to completely trust God in everything that he's asking you to do, to trust God to teach us the proper way to give and the proper value of money. And the first thing that we need to do in order to understand that is understand that God owns everything. Okay? Understand God's ownership. He owns everything. When I became a Christian, 41 years ago, when I gave my life to Christ, what I was saying is that I am giving him every single aspect of my life, not just my soul, not just, you know, okay, take my soul and and put that in heaven someday. He's saying, he said to me 41 years ago, he's saying to anyone who calls themselves a Christian, when you give your life to me, you give it all. And what that means to us is that I am voluntarily surrendering myself to Jesus. Okay? I am voluntarily making myself a slave to Christ. He is my master. I am his servant. In other words, I am placing myself under the ownership of Jesus Christ. And so he owns my physical life. He owns my spiritual life. He owns me when I'm working. He owns me when I'm relaxing. He owns me when I laugh. He owns me when I cry. He he owns me when I play. He also owns all of the things that I own. And what do I mean by that? I mean that even though your name is on the mortgage of your house, God owns your house. If you're a Christian, or at least he should, and it should be used for his purposes. Even though your name is on the loan payment of your car, that car, your mindset should be that God owns that car. Just because you open up your wallet and your driver's license is on the inside of your wallet and and, and you have the proper identification that says that wallet is yours, that wallet should be his. And so my commitment to Jesus Christ includes an understanding that everything that I have in this life is on loan to me by God. I don't own any of it. He's just giving me these things to use for a while, but I know that ultimately I don't own anything because it was all God's in the first place. Acts chapter 17, verse 25, God is not served by human needs as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life 
and breath and everything else. You might be sitting out there and you say, well, you don't understand. I've worked hard for this. I, I work for that. It's mine. Well, who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the skill set to be able to do what you do to earn the money that you have earned? Who allowed you to even come into this world in the first place? It's God. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. We brought nothing into the world. We're going to take nothing out with us. Right? There's not one thing in this life that you or I brought into existence. There's not one thing that we can honestly say wouldn't be here if it weren't for us. We can't say that. It's all God. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel had given uh, for the building of the temple. And David prayed this in 1 Chronicles 29, 14. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. That's what, that's what the psalmist said. Everything comes from him. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. And so everything that we have in this life has been loaned to us by God. And the sooner we accept the fact that nothing that we have is ours, the more generous we're going to become, the more this is going to make sense to us, and the sooner God is going to bless our lives in a magnificent way. And again, I'm not saying this to be all name it and claim it, and I'm not going all Joel Osteen on you here this morning, all right? If you're Joel Osteen fans, I apologize. No, I don't. Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying that you give for that purpose. I'm saying that it's a promise from God that if you are more generous, going to bless you. And, and then value God's partnership. Once I've recognized the fact that God owns everything, I quickly come under the conviction that God needs to play a major role in the decisions that I make financially. We are partners, okay? I, I want you to suppose for a moment that you're the CEO of a publicly owned company and you're responsible for every single shareholder for the decisions that you, you make. You answer to your shareholders. Every person that has invested in your company has a stake in the choices that you make for your company on a day-to-day -day basis, whether they're good decisions or whether they're bad decisions. You are ultimately accountable to those people who have put money into your company, and those decisions are somehow, some way going to affect every single investor. And as the CEO of the company, you want to make wise choices because your job as the CEO of that company is to bring success to your shareholders. You have partnered with them. They have invested in your company and they expect you to make the right decisions with the money that they have invested in your company. As a Christian, I realize that God has invested so much in me. He has invested so much in you. He, he has invested in a great way. He, he gave us His Son. It's not a bad investment, wouldn't you say? Not a bad gift. And everything that I possess is in reality His, and He is expecting me to use the resources that He has given to me with wisdom, to bring him honor, and to bring him 
glory. And so when I'm making my financial decisions, my first question should be, what does God think about the way that I'm getting ready to spend this money? Since it's his in the first place, what does God think about what I'm getting ready to do? He should have a definite say in the way that I use my money. And so these are the kind of questions that we need to ask ourselves moving forward as a servant of Jesus Christ. Will the financial decision I make be destructive to my family later on? We need to ask ourselves that. Is what I'm getting ready to do today going to hinder me in the future? And is it going to cause me to be so strapped to something that I'm not able to be generous like God wants me to. Another question, would God approve of me investing in this particular thing? Look at whatever it is. Would God approve of it? Would he say, yeah, that's, that's go ahead, go for that. Or would he say, no, you know better than that. Another question, if I go into debt on this purse purchase, will it force me to give less to doing God's work? Is the amount I'm putting in the offering the same amount God would put in if I handed him my checkbook? Ask ourselves those questions. In other words, make sure that God is the first person you think about before you make any type of financial decision. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. I've not always done it that way, and I've learned the hard way that God's got a better way. The second step is this, act like a trusted manager. How many times have you ever said this? I know I have. If God would just make me rich, I would give so much of it away. Raise your hand if you've said that. Yeah, really? Would you? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. If God would just give me more, if God would just bless me in this way, then I would give so much of it away. I think we've all said that at one time or another. It reminds me of a story I heard about a missionary. He asked a new convert to Christ. He said, Pablo, if you had 100 sheep, would you give 50 of them to the Lord? And Pablo said, you know I'd give them freely. I'd love to. Pablo, uh, if you had 50 cows, would you give 25 of them to the Lord? He said, you know I would. Absolutely I would. I'd be happy to do that, of course. Once again, the missionary asked, said, Pablo, if you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord's work? He said, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. See, we, we talk a good game, and we say, oh, if God would just give me this, I would give this much of it away. But what are you giving away with what you have now? Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, Whoever's faithful with little will be trusted with much more. So I believe there's two things that we need to do to be a trusted manager. The first thing is this, is, is, is I earn God's trust with my heart, okay? So we have to give him our hearts in this area. Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, it's obvious that God looks at what we do with our money in a spiritual context. And, and I can look at my bank statement, or, or, or you can look at your checkbook register, and you can find out to a large extent if God's got your heart in the area finances or not. Okay? Can God trust me with the resources that he's already given to me in a way that's pleasing to him? If I look at the way that I've been spending my money and I realize that it's not being used for God's glory, if it's not being used in a trustworthy manner, the, the solution is very simple. We've got to change our habits. 
They've got to change their habits. And so how do we do that? Again, before every spending decision I ask, would God be pleased with what I'm about to do with what I'm doing? And this doesn't mean that in no way you can never spend money on yourself or things that you enjoy. I'm not saying that you can never have fun and that you can't take vacations and you can't do the, drive nice cars and all that kind of thing. Um, it means that we're going to learn to live our lives in a way that is God-honoring. Are we going to learn to handle our finances in a way that's God-honoring? So when I do that, that's when I earn God's trust. Spencer was sharing with me a couple of weeks ago a story that he heard about how the knights during the time of the Crusades, when they would be baptized right before they would go off to battle to fight in the Crusades, they would be baptized, but they would be baptized with their hand up in, in, in the air. Uh, they would leave their swords out of the, the water with them because they didn't want to baptize their hand. They didn't want to give their hand to God because they knew that what they were getting ready to do out on the battlefield might not be all that God honoring. And so it was the knight's way of saying to Jesus, you can have control of me, but you can't have, have this. Jesus, I'm all yours, but what I'm about to do on the battlefield, how I use this sword, that's not part of the deal. If that was still the practice today, we might not hold up a sword, but I wonder how many of us would be baptized like this? Got pretty quiet, didn't it? <laughs> See, Jesus does not want us to have divided affection or a split allegiance. He wants all of us. And it might not just be in the area of finances. There might be some other areas in your life that you haven't given to Jesus. Maybe it's your computer. Maybe what you're doing on your computer isn't God-honoring. Maybe your calendar, maybe what you're doing on your calendar isn't God-honoring. Maybe some of us were baptized with a, with a basketball in our hands. Say, oh, you know what, uh, I'm okay, God, but you know what, you can't have this part of my life. Or whatever it is, you think about what it is that you are not surrendering to God because you know that what you're going to do there is not what God would want you to do. Jesus does not want us to have divided affection or split allegiance, so Jesus points to what you value the most, and I'll just be honest, for most of us, it's our finances. And he says, what about that? Are you willing to give that to me? You gonna you going to give me that too, or are you gonna, you going to leave that alone? Most people, the hardest thing to give control of to Jesus is our money. So, I must manage God's money with God's plan. Okay? And God has made this very easy for us. He did not beat around the bush. He has told us how we are to do this. Clear-cut plan. There's no guesswork. I love this. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. Now, about the collection for God's people. Okay, so... The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to the church. He's not leaving any doubt what we're to do. So he says, all right, when you're getting ready to take up the offering for the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections have to be made. And so what Paul is telling us, first of all, is we need to give regularly. On the first day of the week, 
That answers when. When do we give? Paul recommended on the first day of the week. Whenever the church meets, that's a good time to give. Now, some of you, you might get paid every month, and it's easier for you to give monthly, or you might get paid every other week, or, or whatever the case may be. Just, just give regularly, however it fits into your budget, but make that a top priority. The point here is give on a regular basis as an act of worship, and give personally. That's the second thing. Give it personally. Each one of you. And so here we find that we are specifically responsible for giving to God's work. Just like no one is to be left out serving the church with their spiritual gifts, we're not to be left out in the blessing of giving of our finances to the Lord. Also, by giving systematically, each one of you should set aside, of, set aside a sum of money. So here's the clear instruction for planned giving. I remember when I was young in, in my faith, and I'm sure some of you have been there too, I usually made a decision about how much money I was going to put in the offering plate on a Sunday morning about 30 seconds before the plate was in front of me. Has anybody ever done that? You know, you just kind of think, oh, here comes the offering. Let me open it up. What have I got in here? Ooh, a couple bucks. All right, that's what's going in. You know, this is say you set aside, you be intentional, you think about before you ever come into the church what you want to give to the Lord. It takes planning, you know, and it helps us. If we do that through the week, it helps us to really reflect on just how good God has been to us. Has God been good to you? Amen. Give it proportionately in keeping with his income. Here again, um, you know, we see um, we, we have this argument, oh, should I tithe or shouldn't I tithe? Well, I don't have to tithe. That's an Old Testament principle, so on and so forth. But yeah, the, the, in the New Testament, we're never told, Jesus never said, thou shalt tithe. He didn't say that. But we have been blessed so much more in the New Testament era than we ever were in the Old Testament, and I believe that the tithe is a good place to start. And, and the tithe is literally 10%. That's what a tithe is, it's 10%. So if you're giving 3% of your income, that's an offering, that's great, praise the Lord. But maybe he wants to stretch you to the point where you're tithing to 10%. Whatever it is, you give proportionately and you give cheerfully. Now here's the third step, and this might be the most Feel like a precious heir. When we talk about giving to the Lord, it's easy for us to fall into the trap of this being some legalistic thing that we just have to do. We start to look at giving simply as a duty of something that we check off of our spiritual checklist rather than as an act of worship before God. Sometimes there's a disconnect between the financial aspects of worship as it relates to the relational aspects of God being our loving Father. How many of you, when Father's Day rolls around, or your dad's birthday rolls around, or when Christmas rolls around, you just kind of try to skimp as much as you can and say, oh, you know, yeah, no, that'll do. Well, maybe some of you do that. Well, if that's the case, you're not a very good kid. Are you listening, Nick? Okay. All right. My birthday's next Sunday. I just want to make sure he's listening back there. Um, 
I didn't plan to say that, but, you know, since time is of the essence. Uh, anyway, but we don't do that with our own fathers, do we? No. We, we do everything that we can possibly do to show our dads, to show our fathers how much we love them. That's what God wants us to do. That's the attitude that he wants us to take. It's an act of worship, and it's imperative that we understand all of this in the context of the fact that God has given his best for us, his precious children. And we are to reflect his image, and he has given us so much, we are to give much in return, and that's a reflection of who he is in our lives. We need to learn to give like he gave, sacrificially, generously. Next, our Father wants to train us. Since God owns everything and he made everything, it's obvious he could do all the work without any of our help. He, you know, that's the crazy thing. He really doesn't need our help. But he wants us to partner with him. With him, We are made in his image and he wants us to learn to be as generous as he is. And we give to God because he is training us to take on his generous nature. God clearly lays out some of his generosity training in 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. God's basically teaching us to be like him. And then he wants to provide for us. 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. When we put our trust in God by giving like He does, He promises to take care of all of our needs. You know what I hear sometimes? Some people say, well, when God starts meeting my needs, that's when I'll trust Him. I've heard people say, I've heard Christian people say that. God says, no, you, you trust me, and I promise I'm going to meet your needs. And notice that God is not some cosmic killjoy. He says that he's going to provide us with everything. Why? For our enjoyment. Right? So here's our practical plan. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and, and get ready to lead us in this closing song. Here, here is our practical plan. Um, think, think like a godly servant. Act like a trusted manager. And feel like a trusted heir. I want you to thrive through trusting him in his word. In Malachi, we're told, bring, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, right? And, and this is the only time in Scripture where God says, test me in this. It's the only time where God says, test me on anything, the whole Bible. God says, test me on this and see if I won't pour out so much blessing on you that you won't even be able to contain it. I, I want to add one more thing to the list as we close. I want you to enjoy the great benefit of knowing that the more generous you become, 
the more you are becoming like God. And it all starts when you surrender your life to Him. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we're going to offer a song of decision. And during this decision time, if you have a need, uh, Kendall or I will be up here at the front to, to meet with you and, and pray with you. Maybe it's a first-time decision to surrender your life to Christ and be baptized in Him. Maybe you've not done that. Maybe it's a decision to become a part of our church family. If you're already a, an immersed believer in Jesus Christ, you want to place your membership here, uh, we'd love for you to consider that this morning as well. Maybe it's just uh, something you can take care of at your seat. Where you say, God, just help me to be more like you in this area of being generous. Help me to trust you with my finances. Help me to thrive in this life because I've trusted you. If you're watching online today and and you have a decision you want to make, just text the word READY to our church connection number. Uh, we'd love for you to reach out to us, and we'd love to get back with you on what we believe the Bible teaches you need to do. But if you have a decision, we encourage you.